Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast of things. I'm here with Rashid Saria, a sophomore, also on the soccer team with me from Nashville, Tennessee. How are you, Rashid? Thanks for having me, Jake. Um, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. The first STEM major. Uh, Rashid, why don't you tell us what you're studying to start off? Uh, I'm studying neuroscience uh, with a minor in Arabic and Middle Eastern studies. Nice. Very interesting. Very interesting. So what brings you to the minor in Arabic and Middle Eastern studies? Those are two separate minors or one? Uh, It's kind of like a combined one. So it's just like Arabic and Middle Middle Eastern studies. So I have to take a couple of classes about a couple of politics classes, actually. Hey. Probably, yeah, I'm, I would like to take them with y'all if, if you guys are interested. But there we go. Take a couple of those. We love yeah. the poli sci. We're we're big poli sci advocates <laughs> here on the podcast of things. But yeah, everyone is apparently. No, that's but, excellent. Um, yeah, I'm taking Arabic because my whole family speaks it, mm. and I do not. So I'm feeling left to, out. Yeah, I'm trying to catch up, make sure they're not, you know. Yeah. Talking about me. Right. In their language, but you know. That's how I am with Spanish. It's it's truly terrible. Like, yeah, my whole family just, speaks Spanish and I'm not fluent. What yeah, is that? I just kind of like exist in their presence. And oh. Like, I can, I mean, I kind of vibe with it sometimes, but at some point I have to be able to right, like, really. communicate with them. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Definitely. So... First of all, what brings you to Trinity? Because Nashville, that's that's a ways away. You know, most people here at Trinity, they're from Massachusetts. They're from Connecticut. Obviously, me, myself, I'm from Houston. But yeah. what brings you to Trinity College? Um, a lot of different things, actually. It's um, I originally – I came for soccer, obviously. Um, okay. I originally was trying to get in contact with Trinity University mm. in Texas. Down in a Texas. closer to you, a little closer yeah. to home. Um, and I just – completely had a you know brain fart i just emailed the, the wrong school i emailed coach grady uh, yeah. he came to a tournament we got in contact he told me he liked what he saw you know he invited me up for a visit it was at that point when he invited me that i realized you know this is not this is not texas, not texas. It's like the opposite yeah. so but i i mean i looked into trinity it looked really cool everything happens shot. for a reason yeah, everything does happen for a reason you know like it's it's true it's been great i've had a, i've had a great time um but yeah, I, I originally came for that just for soccer. And, I love uh, that. And so did you always know that you were going to major in neuroscience since high school? That is another thing. I I applied to about like eight or nine different schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think if I had gone to a different school, I might have done something else. Like, for example, like Middlebury was one of my top schools. Mm-hmm. I think if I had gone to Middlebury, I probably, probably would have majored in like Arabic Okay. Or something of something of the sort. Something that they're really school. good at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Trinity has a lot of great neuro programs, a lot of great research and stuff. So I kind of had to take advantage of the opportunity because it is it is one of my biggest interests. And, yeah. You know, it is something that I would definitely be interested in doing like for the rest of my life. Like it's sick. Yeah. You know, I know. Like we'll we'll never know enough about like we'll it's gonna be a very long time before like we finish. You know, neuroscience, you know. Oh, so, yeah. The qu- like, can it even be finished? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the question. You know. No, it but. is really fascinating. And Trinity is a great place for it. I've yeah. heard there's a neuroscience library. Yet to see it. It's a, it's a to, thing of legend take here. A trip. We'll take a trip over there, study there one night. Okay, one it's night. Very, it's, it's not like, it doesn't have the, you know, 1800s feel mm-hmm. that the, the poli-sci the library Chem-lib, has. The yeah. Chemlib, yeah. But it's, it's it's a little modern building. You got some some computers. We like nice that. vibe. There's never anyone there. So okay, we'll go good. someday. We'll we go someday. We'll stop by. So, what do you want to do after you graduate from college? Um, currently, I'm pre med, so I'd like to go to med school. Obviously, um, preferably doing neurology or ophthalmology, something like that. What um, is ophthalmology? Just like 
eye stuff. Eye stuff, yeah. okay. Um, so I'd like to do that. Um, I would like to get a master's at Trinity, actually, before mm. I go to med school. It's kind of complicated. I'm, I'm having a lot of conversations with yeah. the, my pre-med advisor and Interesting. my academic advisor. What, but what uh, master's degree? Like a degree in what? It's a it's a master's in neuroscience. Interesting. Well. So, uh, a big reason of why I came to Trinity in the first place, again, is because they have uh, – it's like a five-years master program. Oh. So I'd have to – I have to apply, like, this fall. And then it would just be one extra year after undergraduate, and then I'd have a master's. That's wild. Which is, like, very fast-track. Like, it's yeah. a really good opportunity. A lot of people here don't do it. So you're going to be here for five about. years. I didn't know that. Yeah, could be living at the soccer house. Yeah, so that's wild. Year. As it turns out, for the audience, uh, Rashid is my roommate, and I'm just finding out about this right now. So <laughs> that's why we love the podcast. Yeah. But that's excellent. So what is? do you have a specific interest within the discipline of neuroscience? Like, some classes you've taken, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Some class you've taken, you're like, maybe this isn't my thing, or is it all kind of similar? Yeah, absolutely, actually. I would like to stay away from a couple of things. I took a class, um, it was a philosophy class, it's philosophy of mm. neuroscience and psychiatry. Ooh. It was, yeah, it was by far my favorite class so far. Yeah, that's it, was, sick. it was a lot of writing, which I'm not too keen about, but mm-hmm. the structure of the class was just talking for three hours. Interesting. Just with the professor, and she's like a genius. Um, Which professor? We, uh, Thurer. Oh, shout She's, out to Professor Thurer. Yeah, shout out Professor Thurer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great class. We talked a lot about medical ethics, which we're doing here, and and a lot about like the mind brain issue, which you might have talked about with Luca. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If I do remember correctly, <laughs> a lot about like that kind of stuff. Um, it all evil, comes around. <laughs> that evil dualist. <laughs> Luca oh, Gifari, is yeah. he? He's a du- Yeah, he's he believes in dualism. Oh my. Unbelievable, right? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Coming from a neuroscientist, that just just hurts. See, you hear it here. From a neuroscientist, (laughs) Luca is a fraud. No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) To each, everyone's entitled to their own opinions as long as they align with mine, of course. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) No, but so so what if, so that was your favorite class. Yeah. Does that have a direct, so that doesn't seem exactly like surgery. Not at all. That's, yeah. Of course, you're only a sophomore. You don't have to have it all figured out. It is. It is kind of a contrast of what I like versus what I'm good at. Mm. So I'm a lot better at the more sciencey classes, I guess I could right. say. So like that class, I didn't do that great in, to right. be honest with you. But the classes like, I don't know, like bio and principles and neuro, like those kind of classes are kind of what I'm best at, to be honest. And I don't know. I feel like being in the field and having like like that pressure. I'm also I, I I don't think I would like fold under that pressure or anything. But I, I don't know so far. But. <laughs> Call him Thierry Henry. <laughs> yeah. No, but no. It's interesting because you would think that you would be the best at the classes you were most interested in. Yeah, that's weird. I guess not necessarily. Yeah. That's interesting. I'll have to ponder that. <laughs> but um. You could, well, I mean, you're just the best in every class you're. you're oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It's a uh, you know. We do our best. We try our personal best as as uh, as Luca would say. That's our motto. <laughs> but um, so so that's your been your favorite class so far. What is your favorite of the sciencey classes you've taken? Is there one standout, or do they kind of blend together? Um, they all, they all kind of blend together. They have. They build on each they, other. Yeah, now. they do build on each other a lot. Oh. That's what I was trying to say. Um, but I'm taking a principles in neuroscience class right now, so it's kind of, it's a bit of an intro, but we're also kind of digging deep into mm-hmm. like molecular kind of stuff, like ion channels and stuff. 
Um, so that class is really cool because this is the first kind of look I've gotten into, like, what's actually happening in there, you know? Oh, like That's so cool. Like, bio, we did that a little bit, but it was more of, like, neuroendocrinology, so it was more, like, mm. how it mixes up with, like, your endocrine system and the right. bloodstream and stuff, um, which was pretty cool, but this is much different. And, like, the psych classes I've taken, uh, which also count towards a major, like, those have been very, like, behavioral, I guess. So right. Not, not me like they're like you were talking about. Um, yeah, I guess how people behave. I don't know. It's hard to explain. As opposed but to like ion channels. Yeah, as, as, as opposed to like the actual like functioning of, of the brain. No, but, yeah, that is fascinating. But the principles class I'm taking right now is really cool. It's yeah, it's all that stuff. It's all that good stuff. That's and you not every pre med major learns that stuff in undergrad. Yeah, most pre med majors are you know bio, bio majors, and chem. Bio chem those yeah. very interesting stuff. So yeah. what what is the most interesting thing you've learned? Do you have like a takeaway, a go-to fun <laughs> fact? Go-to fun facts. Like it turns out that you know you get happy every time you see the color red. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure that's not that simple. <laughs> I was oh I was I came into Trinity with with a, like a research idea that was similar to that. I just couldn't like form like the actual like any kind of actual like experiment idea. But I was I was like thinking about I was thinking about like the summer before I came here. I was talking to my friends about something, and we were talking about, like, the color of our childhood room. And oh. I wanted to see how that, like, influences, like, a person's personality. Interesting. Like, when they get older. Because mine was green. Okay. And... Like, the walls painted green. Yeah, the walls were painted green. Yeah. And I feel like I'm a very... I wouldn't say, like... It's hard to explain. <laughs> because of the wall, I don't even know what color my walls were. Do you not? Because I talked to someone who's purple, and they're like very, they're like a very intense person, you know, and they have like <laughs> interesting, like dark thoughts and stuff. I don't know. They're like a weird. <laughs> they're just like a weird dark person. But and I'm, I don't know. I'm, I like nature and stuff. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, of, I was like, it was, it was, it was, I was a formulating preliminary, the, yeah. yeah, very no, preliminary. Thoughts, super but, interesting though. It's very, very interesting because I do think it might have something to do with that. Obviously, it has to do. Mostly with, like, how your parents raise right. and stuff. But you never know if, when you're looking at a certain color for a long time, you know, how it yeah. influences and how you, like, relate that color to different So different in things. neuroscience, do they ever talk about at all, and is related to this, do they ever talk about at all, like, that nature versus nurture debate? I'm sure – I, mean, I know they do in psychology, but in neuroscience, do they get into that, or is it more technical? We did a little bit, actually, in, in the philosophy class I was talking about. Um, so what's, what's your, your opinion? Is it generally nature? Is it generally nurture? I'd say it's generally nurture. Like, mm. as your brain's developing as a child, it's... Well, nature is in, like... Like, what are we, what are we saying? For yeah, I guess we have to define nature. Because if nature's, way. like... I don't know. If nature's, like... Nature's, like, the, your DNA, you know, pretty much your DNA. Yeah. And then nurture is basically the way that your brain changes based on the stimuli that you receive. Yeah. But, yeah, that's interesting. I feel like it's mostly nurture, to be honest, which you might not expect from me. But no, I don't expect that from you. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, my personal take on it is just, like, like I feel like I'm very much like my parents and mm. my sister, and they played a huge part in, like, how I, how I grew up. Yeah. I feel, like I'd, I feel like a lot of my personality and, like, my beliefs and ideals, like, kind of go back to them. And I think most people's do, and we're here to talk about uh, medical ethics, funnily <laughs> enough, but before we get into that, I find the idea of personality fascinating, actually. And I personally am not too convinced that there's such a thing. 
Really? So I don't know what your take on that is, but per, like, cer- certainly, certainly people have tendencies. Like maybe I tend to be more competitive and maybe you tend to be more, uh, more understanding, for example. But at the same time, like I'm sure there's times where you're more competitive than I am or maybe I'm under- more understanding than you are. Mm-hmm. So what is the personality and how does, do you, how does it factor into neuroscience? Mm. That's, that's an interesting one. Just your um, preliminary. I mean, sorry, ask the question again. So I, I guess my question is, what what do you think, what is personality? And how is that reflected in the brain? I think personality is more, definitely more of like a nurture thing. I, th- I think mm. that you grow up and kind of gain your personality from that kind of stuff. But as far as in the brain... Well, um, well, first of all, is nurture in, not in the brain? So do you, you think that the mind is the brain? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I totally, I'm 100% agree. Yeah. But so, so then... <laughs> I have to. That's, like my, that's my whole line of work. The whole line of work, yeah. So I, basically, I'm sure there's neuroscientists who think that the mind is Yeah, not definitely. Yeah, like, that, like all the papers we read were, were neuroscientists. Really? Yeah, yeah that makes the, sense. On the, on the case. But. but so I guess the question is... So first of all, actually, nurture is also the brain then because it's just your pathways being altered mm. by stimuli. Mm-hmm. And so that your personality is going to be in your brain regardless, whether it existed in the DNA or whether it existed in, in the brain. But you know what's interesting to me is that we understand these concepts, and obviously we understand them with our brain, so now it's getting really mm-hmm. meta. <laughs> but we understand these concepts like, let's say, you know, abusive parenting or neglective parenting, neglective, neglectful parenting. Um, We understand those concepts. The question is, does the brain understand those concepts in the sense that its pathways form in response? Because my idea, not my idea, but what I'm thinking is that the brain has its pathways that form in different ways, you know, the the neural pathways. But you would think that they, they get formed in response to very small stimuli and not like these broad concepts like happy abuse you know mm-hmm. neglect and so i guess hmm. how how that's would, such an interesting thought you know like, you know because so much of what we talk about is like motor functions and sensory right. functions but we don't talk about like the actual like your actual life and your thoughts you know like what you're perceiving and how that like affects your personality like yeah that's insane and, like, have you ever talked about what is a thought in class? Well, I'm sure you have because you think I'm going to raise my left hand. Yeah. And that, so. It's just kind of anticipation of something maybe or, yeah. That but it's so like, what is a thought physically for you, to you? Physically? Like, is, is a thought an electrical impulse? A thought is, well, it can be two things. It could be, how do you say this? Like a subconscious thought or a conscious thought. So, like, if someone... Like, or that thing you did on me the other day when you slapped my knee, you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, for the reflex. Yeah, for the reflex. Like, that is something, like, you get the stimuli right here, it shoots up all your neurons into your brain, and then it shoots back out, telling you to move your knee or whatever. Okay. Um, and you're saying that's so that, subconscious or unconscious? That's even? Yeah, it's, yeah, unconscious probably. Um, but a conscious thought is... But who makes the distinction between conscious and unconscious? Like... Who, where is that line drawn? It seems very arbitrary to me. Like, it's the same brain that thinks, boom, reflex, hit. I feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. It almost seems to me a little bit It like, is the same brain. You're right. 
but conscious thought maybe you're just you're more aware of it thought. Mm. I mean I think that conscious thought versus subconscious versus unconscious thought is surely a human construct or do you disagree do you think it's ontological no I think it I think it's I don't think it's a human construct because oh, really? I mean there's okay. like there's a like there's a voice inside my head I don't like yeah no the, like you have your own voice inside your head that's t- telling you like I've got 10 is that okay? yeah no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah one's an old guy I don't know. <laughs> but yeah that kind of thing I don't really know what that really stems from because that's a yeah that's a great question because it's, it's, it's not something that we just made up like I like even even when I'm perceiving language like say I'm in Arabic class mm-hmm Sometimes, or I wonder sometimes, like, if my dad, like, if he thinks in Arabic and oh, yeah. translates it to English or if he thinks in English and talks in English or, like, something like that, something of yeah. the sort. So, or how I mean, sometimes you think in thoughts or you think in words and sometimes you think in pictures, pictures and yeah. sometimes you think in, like, sounds yeah. even. Because everyone's just different. Like, that's something that we, I mean, at least I think, I don't think we know anything about, really. It's so, such a mystery. It's yeah. so incredible. Because, I mean, yeah, like you said, like, people think in a different way. Like, me personally, I have usually pictures, but I, uh, but sometimes there's a voice going in my head, like, tell me what to say, you know? Yeah, I definitely have a... V- I don't even know. See, exactly. but my point is about it being a hu- uh, human construct, though, is not that these things don't exist. I'm saying the human construct is the difference between conscious thought, quote-unquote, and, like, unconscious thought. Mm. Because if we assume that the brain is the is the generator of all thoughts, then you know, some things happen and some things don't. And maybe some things receive more deliberation, but obviously, like, there's not clear, not obviously, but I I think there probably isn't very clear lines. Like, for example, what if you're like, like, okay, tell me your favorite color quickly of three seconds to think one, two, three, like, I'm like red, you know, I think of it and it wasn't exactly a knee jerk reaction, Mm -hmm. as they say, but it also wasn't something I thought about for a while. So the difference between unconscious, subconscious and conscious like maybe if you could say a little bit more about that i just i don't i'm confused about where those lines would be drawn by who is it maybe a different chemical a different type of electrical impulse that fires for the three i'm not sure i don't know if it's a different electrical impulse but i'd say that the line would be drawn whether you're like actively trying to make that thought i guess Mm. so like but that's a fuzzy barometer. It's a very fuzzy, like, boundary, yeah. Um, let me think. I'd say between unconscious and conscious, like, like you said, the color one, or if someone were to, like, tap my shoulder. And you just kind of look. And I just look. Right. But, but cause the, you, cause there's you, still cause thought. Because obviously there faster. is, like, a thought in your head that's, like, who just t- who just touch my shoulder it just but, you're, really but, you're, but your impulse is just to go like that like immediately oh like what is instinct and how yeah. is that different than deliberative thought yeah but so are we of the are we going to say now to be fair it's possible that you know there's a, a mind that exists in a different realm fine but let's not talk about that for mm-hmm. right now so are we going to say are we going to agree that when i'm d- deciding what what words to use for my introductory sentence of a really important essay and when I get tapped on the shoulder and look back really fast, are we saying that those two things are done with the same brain and very similar, if not the same, electrical impulses? I mean, as far as we know right now, it is the same, like, neurons firing, same impulses. 
Or um, some neurons. It's, it's hard to make a distinction between the two just because, like, right. we only know so much about, like, how we even think at all, you know? Yeah, it's so much um, unknown. Do some neurons fire faster than others, like, ontologically? Like, they just go faster? They can go faster. They can be, like, more intense. I don't know if is the right word. Oh, they can Both be more intense? Yeah. I mean, that'll – I don't know, like, what an example of that would be. But they can – based on, like, say if I'm in pain or something. Right. Based on how much pain I'm in, it could be – they could be more intense or – they could fire faster. Mm. It's kind of either. either and so they'll one. be different. So maybe. But they are they are different, and that's that's like that is what tells you, that is like the distinction between thoughts. Between subconscious, unconscious, yeah, and is like how fast and how hard they're firing. Well, my only point is that let's say there's a scale, right, of uh, intensity and speed at which a neuron fires, and it goes from one to ten, and you know you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. How do you decide at which number a thought goes from unconscious to subconscious and subconscious to conscious? Like at seven, at six, and, and even if it was like a miles per hour, for example, of a neuron, or a, I don't know how you would measure the intensity. Well, in, intensity would be like probably millivolts. Uh, like we just do it based on like that makes sense voltage or current. But I is don't there? Know if you can like make a distinction of that yet is there such a system though do people try to say oh it's an unconscious thought because oh it's below this many millivolts no no? definitely not it's it's kind of i don't know i actually don't know yet i mean that's that's totally fair it's such a mystery and i think that it's really fascinating but this isn't even what we're here to talk about yeah i mean yeah like as far as i know i don't think we know that yet Right. But, but you still are of the opinion yeah. that there just is a fundamental existing difference between an unconscious and conscious thought. Yeah. And that they are therefore physically different, either by intensity, speed, or something else. That's hard to say. I don't know if... Well, for them to be different, they would have to be physically different, no? Do or, they? Well, because my point is, if they're different only in how we understand them, then it's a human construct that there's a difference between unconscious. But if they're different in and of themselves, physically, then, physically, then, they then, they're, then they are in and of themselves two separate. But then, yeah, I, I don't know where you draw the line. Anyway. Co- that, that's more like a theory-based thing. Like, what I personally think is... Yeah, totally. Like, has no, like I have no idea. I, like, I think that... Physically, they could be different. They might be happening in a different part of your brain. They could be <sighs> happening so like much. a different speed, like you said, or different intensity. How it's is possible. It? Like it's possible, but how is I'm it possible sure. that the brain at that size has so much complexity? <laughs> like why doesn't why doesn't my thumb have that much thinking power? You know what I mean? Like that's it's the so, thing, man. It's like insane. It's so strange because it's just tissue. Like your brain is just tissue, right? but there's so much going on in it. That's I mean, it's absurd. as you know, like we like we've done so much, and yeah, we've done nothing really like there's uh, what's it called it's there's like a there's a we have a, a map of an animal mm-hmm. where we where it's like all of its neurons are mapped and i think really? because it only has it only has like 300 neurons total interesting and it took us until like very recently maybe like the last couple of years to do that for this animal that's 300 neurons 300 neurons how yeah. many do we have Eighty thousand. We have over 10 billion 10 billion yeah and this animal has 300 yeah Oh so we've done nothing. Like we've done, we've we haven't like we haven't done anything. So realistic. what you're trying to tell me is that we're not going to have the answers to these questions tomorrow. <laughs> I promise you, we like in our lifetime we will not know the answers. Ten billion? Yeah. Oh my god. 
Yeah. What animal was it? Do you know? Some. Uh, it's like a sea elegant. Like sea elegant. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> something very simple for sure. It's not like I don't know if it's in the sea. It's called like sea at like the letter C dot. Oh. I don't know what the first. I don't know what the first word is. It's I was like thinking a, it was like a sea urchin. No, no. it's like a. Sea. No, but we're close on another sea animal. I don't know because that one has like a similar number of neurons. But wow. Because it's 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 really cool because. That animals neurons too are like really big, so mm-hmm. we can also find them too. Like we Where did, we did a lab with crayfish, oh. and it's because their neurons are like thick and long. And so you, you can, can see them. You can't see with them, but but it's way easier. You can see them with, with a microscope, and it's way easier to like, because we're putting an electrode in it because wow. we we're measuring the the action potential. So oh my gosh, fast! Like it's much easier to like find it. That's but you so can't cool. see it. I'm going to enroll in that class. No, you should. I'm, it's I, sick. I'd probably fail. But, but um, so what does a neuron look like in the crayfish? And is it the same in a human? It, it, they all usually look r- relatively the same. Like you have the soma and then you have... Um, right. Like I know, I remember that from too. bio in high school and stuff. They yeah. all look the same no matter the animal? Yeah. I mean, they're not... That's fascinating. Yeah, not like exactly, but they all have the same like structure. structure. Like they, have, they all have the same parts. That is Because you need all the parts. That is really, really, really fascinating. So every animal that has neurons, like neurons fundamentally exist in a certain way. Yeah. Which is why it's hard to, like, know if, you know, other animals have, like, consciousness and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Because, like, they all have this almost the same, like, I'm just blanking on words right now. Like, the same parts that we do in the brain. Components. Yeah, same components. And they have they all have the frontal lobe, yeah, the, all that. Really? Well, not all, but, but most, but most, yeah. Interesting. They all mammals and so, stuff. So, so, well, I'm going to come back to that in a second. But is it? I just want to clarify. Is it fair to say that though neurons have a consistent structure, they're also all like there's probably no two neurons that are exactly the same, like atomic. Nah. Okay. No. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> nah. There probably isn't. I mean, there's also different kinds of neurons. You know, you have like motor neurons, then you have neurons that are up there. Right. Like it's. They're all very different, but yeah, I'd say there probably aren't any that are exactly the okay. same. Because they right. all are, I mean, they're all busy right now. We can't like check them. Right. But, no. <laughs> it makes me want to like wiggle my fingers yeah, thinking about all this. <laughs> but okay, interesting. So thought. now we have this animal, that, the C, whatever, that we're uh, dissecting, that we're measuring the neural pathways. First of all, what does it mean to map the neural pathways? You, you just basically like lay them out and you say, okay, Neuron A goes to neuron B goes to C goes to C two four five mm. you know that that's basically it yeah yeah like we did or yeah we did a project in the like the lab class the principal's class um, and it was kind of similar like there's a data there's a database online mm-hmm. where it has a lot of like human neurons on there and we really? had to we had to do something I forgot what we were doing with it but. What I'm saying is that we do have, like, a map of, like, okay, this one connects to this one, this one connects to this one for the C. elegans. And then for the human one, <laughs> I think there were, like, 100,000 on there that they had, like, mapped. Wow. That is, like, for like for every person, it's, like, this one connects to this one, this one connects to this one. But but the thing is, can't a neuron connect to more than one neuron? Yeah, but... Can't a neuron connect to, like, 70,000 other neurons? Yeah. So it's based on, like... By, by this one connects to this one, it's more of, like, a... These... Like, this set of neurons can connect to this set of neurons, kind of. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. But it, it seems like with 300, 300 neurons, you could have, like, I don't know, probably so many connections. Yeah. Cause Especially because they're all so long. Right. And they go, like, all over the place. But And because neuron 1 could connect to, like, 280, and then neuron 2 connects to, like, 120 of the other 300 neurons, right? Or does yeah. it not work like that? 
Sorry, say that again. So, like, can one neuron connect to, like, 300 other neurons or no way? It can not, really not at the like, same time. But not at the same – oh, but it changes. Yeah. Because, like, they'll, they'll, like, they'll connect, say, they'll have the – there'll be the postsynaptic cell and then the presynaptic cell. Yeah. And then they'll do the thing and they'll release the neurotransmitters. The receptors will take it. And then they and then disconnect. Oh, they move on. So how can you... Well, yeah, they disconnect and then they move on. So how can you map it if they're always moving? Well, they're not really moving. They're just like... It's not like they're floating around in your body. Like, they're there and then they're like... So so say there's just like two neurons. Yeah. And they connect to this one, connect to this one. He's doing a hand gesture right now. So the audience can't see this. I'm trying to understand it myself. (laughs) So they're not flowing through your body. So so basically what you're saying is if you had two neurons, like two two, uh, let's say, dominoes, they're straight up, and sometimes they sort of tilt towards each other to connect and then tilt back away. Yeah, and, and then they'll do a different one. But they're not, like, all swarming around. No, okay. like, they're not swimming around or anything. They're just making those connections. Because, w- like, like, the thing I said earlier, someone hits my hand and I feel that, and then right. it goes up and then it goes back. So it's just, it's not like there's some neurons that are, like, floating in here. Like, there's... They're all connected. There is, there are, like, a set of a ton of neurons that are just connected from my finger all oh, the way here. Wow. And then they'll just connect to each other when they need to. When they need to, but so otherwise, what are they attached? Like what's keeping them there as opposed to floating around? Just the connection to skin or something like that? Or For some it's skin, but I'd say for that kind of neuron or for that kind of connection. Because it it's not like a string just of just like, neurons because they're not always connected to each they're other. They're not always connected, but I'd say they do kind of stay in that kind of... Like, is it order. possible they're all connected? Like all, every neuron is always connected to another neuron, but then sometimes they connect to other ones that disconnect from that one. I mean, for the most part, they're always connected because, like, one of those one of those synapses will happen within like right. Like I second. feel the air now. Yeah. Like something has to be feeling the heat, you know. Yeah. So that interesting. So we have this this animal, and we've you know dissected it. Now the question is. Finally getting into some of the ethics components <laughs> here after 30 minutes, as we do here on the podcast. Wow, was it really 30 minutes? Yes, it has been 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we just haven't talked about anything. Yeah, that's that's how it goes. That's what good that's conversations good. do. That's but lovely. they get away from you. Yeah. Um, blink and you'll miss it. Or Yeah, blink and you'll miss it. Yeah, but I guess you can't watch this, so it's more like... Anyway, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but... um. <laughs> So why is it okay to dissect animals, and do you think it's okay to dissect animals? This animal is probably very simple, but how do we decide which ones are worthy of, you know, being tested and which ones deserve to not be tested? That's that's a big issue, actually. Um, Well, I'll give you an example. In my Buddhism class last year, Mm -hmm. um, they they were talking about, like, the ethics of, like, if you kill an animal, are you going to go to, like, this realm of rebirth. Mm. Um, So a lot of what the Buddhists do is, like, they do it based on, like, the size of the animal, surprisingly. Interesting. So if I were to step... Well, they also do it based on... First first it's intent, and then it's, like, the size of the animal. Okay. So if I were... For the intent thing, like, if I were to step on a spider in the quad while I'm walking around, like, that's not going to do anything. To your soul? Yeah. Or whatnot, okay. Um, But... Based on the size of the animal, they they do it based on, like, if you need to eat or something. Like, if the animal is relatively small, there's no, like, there's no like range of, like, okay, if it's above this, then you go to hell. Or if it's below this. But, like, it's, it's kind of just, like, if it's a sm- relatively small animal, then they don't care. So in, 
in science, I guess, it's just there really are not a ton of I mean there's rules, but if it's if it's gonna help like humans mm, like, they kinda will do it. Yeah. Like you would think we would do a lot of our research on like monkeys, for example, because they're so similar. Yeah. I'm sure there's rules on that that I don't really right. know. Right. No, but, of course. And who makes those rules? That's what I'm saying. It's like it's 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 hard to it's hard to even know because like we use the crayfish in lab and we use some worms. Mm-hmm. And I mean being there in the moment and like doing it to the animals was because they're alive. Like, they're live animals. Right. It's not like a frog dissection or a pig dissection Where that we did in bio. Dead, like, yeah. we're, like, the crayfish is alive. I just cut him in half. Yeah. And I have to stick this electrode in him while he's, like, squiggling around. And, like, his last, yeah. like, last seconds of his life, you know? Um, and that's kind of difficult to do, to be honest. And Which is, even though it's, like, an earthworm or a crayfish, right. like, it's hard to do. But it's so but, interesting because we have no idea what that experience is like for them. Like, we can only imagine yeah. it as our experience. Like, but they that's another thing. We don't know if they're, you know, consciously feeling this or if it's just, like, some animal that, And they know, might be consciously there. feeling it in a completely different way than we do. Like, yeah. they might see the world and have a perspective on pain and suffering and loss yeah. that we don't have. And maybe ours is more complex, yes, but maybe theirs is different in a way that we could never understand. Yeah. And so yes. then I guess the question is, how come we can dissect frogs but not, I don't know, octopus? Because people say octopus are so smart. I mean. Yeah. I mean, the reason we do, the reason for, like, dissections and stuff, the reason we do, like, frogs and pigs and stuff is because they have a lot of similar parts to us. So, and they, a lot of these animals are kind of, like, bred to be used in science. Right, so isn't like, that terrible though? <laughs> it is terrible. Like their like their whole life is just you know they're gonna live and then die and then be used. Their body's gonna be used. You know. Um, so it so seems but like but I, I I think I think for science like if it's gonna help us like the research we've done on animals has helped a lot to learn about these diseases like yeah kind of like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and stuff like right. that like and it's gonna keep helping us in the future to like find actual cures of these things like we know what to do to make a lot of these diseases better. With brain diseases, it's hard because we don't know anything about the brain, really. Mm-hmm. But, like, the more we do it, the more we're going to learn. So, like, like with all these animals that we're doing this stuff on, like, it's going to help humanity. And it's hard to gauge whether, like, a, like humanity is more important than, like, that these animals' lives. Yeah. It's, like, that is, that is something that Great can be talked about. But it can't be denied that, like, it's helping. it's helping a lot. Well, but that's so interesting. So why are humans... Because it seems like basically what you're saying is the standard is if this dissection is going to help humans, it's fine. Like we... Yeah. we <laughs> in the end of the day, science scientists will dissect an octopus or a monkey's brain if it's going to, you know, help cure Parkinson's. And fair enough. Yeah. If I, We don't know the exact standards. There's probably different standards in different countries. And that's where politics intertwines with science. Let it... Let it, not, let it not be forgotten. Science never exists in a vacuum, and it's always, always operated. Its power is always operating on science, as Foucault would say. Yeah. Never forget that. Let's go. Foucault. But the question is, why are humans fundamentally more important than other animals? And I know we yeah. are humans, and it is true that humans have way more complex brains than any other animal, right? Yeah. As far as we know, yeah. As far as we know, and so, but the question is, it kind of seems like. Like, 
it almost seems wrong. Like why, why, how come you can eat a cow just because it's DNA is different? It almost seems like racism. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can enslave someone because they have a different DNA than your DNA. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? How do you decide that that's okay? Yeah. And I've, I've just said all those things about science and how it's going to help us and stuff. And then like, but like people like me are going into lab and just doing stuff that we already know about. And that's just another to learn. thing. Yeah, well, just to learn, which is which also helps. Obviously. Yeah, because in the end, it, you might be doing cutting edge stuff that you couldn't have yeah. done without this experience. Yeah, so. but is it like the thing is like is it worth this frog's life for me right. to just dig around in him for an hour and then go home? Like, yeah, that's that's another hard part. But are you are, like in your first question? Is it are you talking about just in science or? I, I guess everything. my question is in everything, like in eating meat, in in animal eating testing. Meat, animal testing, yeah. Why why are humans more val- why are the lives of humans more valuable than the lives of any other animal? And are they? Because we all think they do. I mean, like maybe not all people think, but we act like it. We all people act like all it, even if they like don't it. think it. Because yeah. you know, even you know. People love their pets, for example, mm-hmm. but you still don't treat your pets like they're human. And to be fair, they're not human. Yeah. But why do we not, why do we treat them like they're not human? Like, well, I guess because they are, I mean, a lizard yeah, isn't not- going to go to class with you and start, <laughs> you know, start learning about synapses. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. But does, see, this is the question. Are our lives more valuable because we can think more complexly? I don't know that that's necessarily the case because then if that's the case then you you kind of if you accept that premise humans lives are more valuable than lizards because we have more complex thoughts and more complex emotions then the question is is one human who has more complex thoughts and emotions more is their life more valuable yeah. than a you know i guess quote unquote simpler <laughs> person now i will disclaimer i don't know that you know that exists I, well i guess you know there's mental illness so are those people less valuable than other humans some people probably would say yes yeah i don't i'm not saying that i would say yes but i'm just saying that that premise will take you there if you carry it if you carry it far enough there's there's a human whose life is the most valuable yeah. statistically and who's slightly better yeah so then the question is where do we draw that line why and how and what makes the human i guess I guess you could argue that it's a look out for your own type of thing and that if, mm-hmm. you know, we're humans, so we look out for humans. I think it is based on emotions because we are, like, really – we are emotional beings. And you're right. Like, it's look out for your own. The reason, like – I think the reason we treat humans better than animals is because, you know, they're just like us and we feel towards them. Mm, like empathy. And we feel their – yeah, empathy. We feel what they're feeling, you know. Like, but we can if you were of... like if you were if you were to to watch a human die. Oh yeah. Versus watching a crayfish die, for example. It's but like, the question is: Is that different because of some fundamental law of nature, or is it different because different because of society? Because I, we're used to thinking, "Oh, that's okay," but killing humans isn't okay. I think it's society, maybe because. If we see that kind of thing and then we think about, wow, imagine if that was my brother or my sister, you know, that kind of thing. So we feel a lot more with them in that way. But that's not to say that, like, I mean, we definitely aren't more valuable than the animals. That's why it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to gauge. Yeah, because to say that would lead you there. But then at the same time, I mean, the reality of it is that we both eat. Yeah. animals. I eat a lot of 
<laughs> you saw me with my plate of chicken we another eating, second ago. Both of us were eating chicken approximately 45 minutes ago. Yeah. So, so, then and so And some people weigh different animals more than some animals. Like, my mom doesn't eat beef, but she'll eat chicken. Like, not even, like, vegetarian. Like, she just... But how do you get that? How, how yeah. do you decide the cow's lives are more valuable than the chicken's Than the lives? chicken or the fish or the lamb, you know? Yeah, it's just... Like, who, so pretty much the way we draw these lines right now, it's really arbitrary. Very it, arbitrary. It almost seems like what humans do in contemporary society is just ignore this problem. And we just live and we don't really consider the ethics of animals. Yeah. But I'm, I think a lot of what we do also is just like, okay, we've done this in the past, so we're just going to keep doing it. Like, right. So at, so, like at some point in history, someone decided these things for us and then everyone just kept with it. Right, like, tradition, like, of course. Yeah, like in the tradition of like religion or something, like say a Hindu person, like none of them eat cows. And right. I don't eat, and I don't eat pork. And it's just because I was born and someone told me, oh, eating pork is bad. Exactly. You know? Like you, it's not, it has nothing to do with what I feel about pigs. You haven't sat down and thought about Yeah, like I've, I mean, yeah, I mean they have like a meaning behind it and some people don't have a meaning behind it, but that meaning I just accepted was enough for me. Right, Very which is fascinating. And you accepted it, but you were also, you know, your brain was formed by that information. So yeah. in some ways you're expected to accept it. And, yeah. you know, a lot of we accept a lot of things that go beyond just Yeah, this. I mean, this goes way beyond just, like, oh, animal yeah. rights. It's, yeah, it, it's a thing. But animal rights, so, yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Like, why do you draw the lines where you do? And, yeah. I mean, we're going to eat meat tomorrow but at the same time we acknowledge that this is a ethical conundrum yeah. and the eating meat is very different from some other things like eating meat like it's in some ways it is about survival mm. like i don't have to eat meat but in some ways like i don't okay i don't have to eat meat you don't to survive anymore but that's the reason we started doing it in the first place is to survive well and versus like animal rights like animal testing and stuff like that for like perfumes and stuff and like mm-hmm. cl- like cologne like that and like even even like milk is that a good is that i milk. don't know if that's a good good one because like they don't die but like they're in these facilities that are like yeah i mean they're enslaved or, yeah there is what they are yeah like domesticated is the euphemism for that yeah. but are humans are humans carnivorous by nature it would seem like yes it would it seem like yes because we wouldn't be eating meat now if we weren't but at the same based on like evolution yeah i don't know if we are like our Mm. our like the way our teeth that's what i was thinking yeah like our teeth teeth don't don't match up with omnivores very much i don't think i think they match up more with herbivores yeah not at all with carnivores because not at all with not at all with carnivores um I think we did this in bio last year, but we looked at a bunch of different skulls of animals and, like, their teeth and stuff. Right. And ours was just, like, the shape of the teeth and the shape of, like, the jaw are very, very different than that of, like, an omnivore. Interesting. And then carnivore, obviously, like, most carnivores have, like, really sharp teeth. They need to, like, yeah, gnaw not and like stuff off all. the meat. Like, our, our bodies are, I think, built for not eating animals, I would say. Right. But... Well, I don't know. Like it's it's. I I don't really know why we do it. Maybe just because it tastes good, or well, but we must have started doing it for a reason. And I will say, it's possible. So, there's a lot of thoughts going on in my head. 
I will say that I think the nature versus nurture debate in any sphere is always interesting, but I think it's a little bit, not completely, but it's a little bit unfounded because I don't think there's such a dichotomy. In many ways, nurture is a result of nature. Because, so for example, let's say naturally humans don't eat meat, but then when they got in societies, they started to eat meat for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that that society was created by human nature, at least in some capacity. Yeah. So then nature created the nurture that created eating animals. You know what I mean? So it is certainly tied to our nature in some way. But I would agree with you that it seems like like our teeth, our jaws, it doesn't seem like we are carnivores. It doesn't seem like we're even omnivores. Yeah. So that's what's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, based on the evolution, if we're looking at other animals and how they behave, we are not. Like, do monkeys eat meat? Do monkeys eat meat? They probably would, some of them, if you gave it to would, them. Would, I mean, would is a different question. I don't think Oh, they, that's they don't. But you know, like, a duck would eat a chicken nugget, probably, if you gave it to them. <laughs> but they just wouldn't well, yeah, eat but in the they wild. Don't. Yeah, they don't really know. So maybe we just, so maybe what it, the answer is, is that we just, we'll eat what we can eat and what we think tastes good, but we are so smart that even though, not we are so smart, but our brains are so complex and so multifaceted and so dense with neurons, like 10 billion, like we talked about, but maybe we're so smart that even though we're built to be more like herbivores, we figured out how to hunt these animals, and now we just eat them. Now it's become tradition. It's become routinized. Yeah. It's mm. a possibility. It could be based on a lot of things that we don't really know either. Like there could have been, I don't know, some kind of like famine or something where we couldn't make plants. Right. Or we couldn't, we couldn't grow plants or anything. And then it became tradition. And then it just That's a good point. It could, be, it could be anything really. And I, and I yeah, I mean... It's, it's really strange how vastly um, superior in intelligence humans are to anything else. It almost yeah. seems like wrong. Like it in, is weird. It, like, it seems like a failure of natural selection in some ways. That we have like evolved to be so much. So much superior, yeah. you know. Because you would think that like, okay, you'd think that as humans we're being naturally selected to, to you know, excel. Mm-hmm. Well, every other species should have also been being naturally selected to excel. Yeah. So, like, you would think that we shouldn't be that far ahead of snakes in dominance. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's sh- it's not. I mean, evolution isn't always about like being superior. Sometimes you just have to evolve to your situation. Like a lot of dogs have evolved to be right, like house dogs no. versus like wolves. And that's true for sure. But I'm just saying, like, the whole premise of natural selection is that every generation will slowly be weeded out so that the species becomes more and more advantageous, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the snake is going to eventually over time get shorter if it's going to help it survive and reproduce because that's what natural selection Mm -hmm. is. But how is it possible? That's only based on its environment. Yes, based on its environment. But how is it possible that humans just dominated every other thing? So, you know what I mean? Like, like as our brains were getting complex, you would think that the brains of... Uh, yeah. an, an elephant would have gotten equally complex in order to combat our complex, but I, it didn't work that way. And I wonder why. It's kind of a great mystery. And, you know, were there ever species as intelligent as us? It doesn't seem like it, but... It doesn't seem like it, no. Um, that's interesting. Well, you know, this actually pertains, this question pertains both to 
our question about why is the human species privileged over others and mm -hmm. therefore why can we eat and test other animals but not humans because if you eat a human society yeah. is going to be outraged yeah, you're gonna get <laughs> and if you and if you do testing on a human society will also be outraged but you know there were times when they did you know they gave horrible diseases to black and brown communities in this country mm -hmm. not so long ago because yeah. I'm sure with the same logic, oh, well, it's going to help the greater good for white people, you know, for mm -hmm. us people. Who yeah. are, so they were valuing white human lives over right. So human lives. And, yeah. and it's happened, and it's happened throughout history, I'm sure. But I guess still the question is, I'm it's probably still, I mean, yeah. of course, racism and discrimination is still happening, yeah. but... Testing is probably still happening in other places. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's... It, maybe even here. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But the question is, what, what does it mean to be a species, actually? I find that fascinating. What does it mean to be a species? Like, what is a species to you? Um, a group of organisms, I'll go with. A group of organisms that share similar features, Maybe. Is like, that like that's a very simple? No, I think that's a great definition, and I think intuitively it makes sense. Obviously, an octopus is different than a human. I can see it with my eyes. Yeah. But what's interesting is there's no two humans that are exactly alike, and there's no two octopi that are exactly alike, and there's no two monkeys that are exactly alike. No, none, zero, right. atomically, and in terms of their DNA. So the question is where, like. How have we come to understand species, or maybe not understand, maybe it's an ontological fact, but how has it come to be that species are so discrete? Not discrete as in secret, but as in clear and defined, uh, you know, delineated. Like a human is clearly a human. There's no humans where it's like, oh, I'm not sure if that's a human or a monkey. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? How has that happened? Because you would think that, you would think that with all the spectrum of different humans, you might be, you know, it might bleed into others, but for some yeah. reason, that's not how it works. I mean, from the beginning, like we all, I mean, every animal that we have right now has evolved from these very simple like right. eukaryotes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know about before that, but all of those like groups of eukaryotes, I guess you could say, and, and animals were distinct in their own way. And that's kind of how we evolved from those. But before that, I don't really know. Hmm. I think, you know, I guess it makes sense because monkeys only reproduce with monkeys and snakes only reproduce with snakes. So over time... But, but you're like, asking, like, like before they were even monkeys and snakes. Like right. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I, I'm saying, like, so now I guess it makes some sense that snakes get more and more snake-like yeah. every generation because yeah. they're only snakes. and It's not like snakes reproduce with lizards. Mm -hmm. But my question, I guess, is is, like... My question is, what makes a snake different than a human? And you would say a lot of things, and that's mm -hmm. fine. But it's not always so simple. Like, for example, there's the like there's things like the red-horned frog. I'm just making that up. Versus the versus the regular horned frog, right? And it's like they're so similar, but for some reason, scientists have decided they're different species because of certain characteristics. Mm -hmm. And it's just fascinating how that, how species break out into different groups like that and each have their own unique characteristics. Mm -hmm. So is, is it fair to say that, like, is it fair to say that species, the idea of species, 
is real. Like it exists objectively and it is not in any way a social human construct. What would you say about that? I think, I think it's real. Uh, like if you're going back far enough, I don't know how it happened, but we, the, these, there was, there was a very small number of different species, I guess you could say it, mm-hmm. in the beginning. I don't even know how those got there, but I think they just had to have adapted to what their environment was. Cause I mean, it all, I mean, all animals started like in the ocean, right? Like, there were no land animals and then they just evolved to, I guess, be able to grow on land. And I guess depending on what, like where on land you are. So I guess, I guess like continent wise, I guess that's how they develop their features based on maybe climate and right, like external factors like that. But I don't know how could that, how it that is could really fascinating. And, and natural selection does make a lot of sense to me. I wonder if one day we'll find out that natural selection wasn't quite right or something like that. It's possible, but it's very possible. I mean, we, 50 years ago, we've, we've changed so much of what we thought. So. No, it, it's very possible. Um, same thing with physics, but yeah. I guess my what I like my previous question was kind of about this. R- like it's generally accepted today that race is a social construct. Like there's not there doesn't really objectively exist such a thing as a black person and a white person because obviously there's people that are have darker skin mm-hmm. and there's a whole there's spectrum a of, of people colors, yeah. until they get to very light you know and then there's lighter and lighter all sorts of different tones of skin. So basically to make a group right is pretty arbitrary because you're saying oh these people are black and these people are white when really like there's a whole variety of them and some random you know whoever's in power at that time or whatever the current sociological zeitgeist is is defining certain people as this and certain people as this you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so like the idea like a black race versus a white race doesn't really exist even though there are different features of them like you know like white people have generally tend to have different features than black people, for example. But the idea of race is still a human social construct in the sense that it doesn't exist so objectively. So I guess my question is, is the same thing with species? Like, is it really like, oh, there's a spectrum of lizard to snake, and we just for some reason made some arbitrary grouping where these Mm. are snakes and these are lizards? Or is it different? And actually there really are snakes and there really are lizards you see what i'm saying like what do you think what do i think yeah just all your gut reaction obviously this isn't any of our area of expertise but yeah um are you asking if i think there is a spectrum like do you think that do you think that there's the most lizardy lizard over here on my mm-hmm. left and the most snaky snake on my right <laughs> yeah and in the middle like there's this whole spectrum where there's some kind of like lizard snake things. Mm-hmm. And really what happens is scientists come in and they see them and they're like, ah, oh, this is this. Uh, and they give it a Latin name and that's the species name. And they're like, ah. Oh. And then when there's an outlier, they kind of just shove it into one thing. Like for example, a light skinned black person as mm-hmm. we consider them today. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the day, the government official or who, whoever it would have been, and I mean, you know, it still happens today, obviously, would have said, oh, you're black or oh, you're white. You know what I mean? Like, mm. if there's an outlier, you kind of just push it in. So do you think it's like that with snakes and lizards? Or do you think there's like a fundamental fact, like snake 
lizard. I do actually think you're right about that. You think I, I'm right? Yeah. That there's not a fundamental fact. Yeah, because you're right about how, like, they, there is, like, a spectrum of things, and then... Uh, it's a tough mm. question. This is... I do think you're right. Um, that I feel like base... I feel like a lot of what... Or a lot of how we categorize things is mm. just based on humans or just based on like we want to categorize yeah, things just like, obviously yeah that's all i mean that's we, we have to like it's just part of our right nature. like this is a lake and this is a pond yeah why i don't know <laughs> they said so you know what i mean and like generally they follow some rules like oh ponds are smaller and lakes are bigger mm-hmm. but you know like th- wh- that cutoff is very arbitrary yeah it's like where like at what point does a snake Become a lizard, right? And there's, like, a salamander. Actually, (laughs) salamanders are very different. I take that back. I take that back. But I think that – I guess this concern with that, though, is that – I don't know. It seems so specific. They have a group for every snake. It's not like there's a species (laughs) that's just snake. There's, like, the red-horned grass snake. I'm just Mm. making this up, obviously. And then then there's the python, and then there's the blue southern python. You know what I mean? Like, so it seems like there's there's very clear things – and I guess, you know, like we were talking about earlier, um, maybe these – so a snake only reproduces with snakes. A snake can never reproduce with a lizard. So maybe it creates these discrete categories really as a matter of fact and kind of eliminates that spectrum aspect. But it's hard to know without being in the field because I don't know how often a scientist comes across an animal and they're like, wow, this has some snake characteristics and some lizard characteristics. Or even if, if we want to be even more specific, oh, this – frog has some characteristics of the southern horned frog but it also has some characteristics of the western swamp frog um, yeah i mean i, I, I mean, just pick one the the categories that we make are just i mean that's all that's all a human idea like mm, you said like I, arbitrary? yeah I, th- I think it's all arbitrary like all animals all animals are you know a living breathing right Conscious, we'll say for now. Bro, let's not even get into that. <laughs> Conscious, we'll say for now, like being. Like, I'd say, because the categories that we put them in are, are based on characteristics. Like, mm-hmm. if I were to look at a dolphin, and I'd never seen a dolphin before, i go, it's a fish. Yeah. You know, or a whale or something like that. Right. Um, and, I, and we do categorize them based, like, I think we do a good job of Right, because it's not like it's not like you see a lizard and there's no difference between a lizard and a monkey. Yeah, clearly like there there's is very there's obviously. But what we're saying is maybe maybe there's a general trend, but we we still draw arbitrary lines at some point. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's like it could have been not not to say that like they're completely arbitrary, but they're like someone has the final say and they say this is the western frog and that's that. You know, yeah, and it and I mean animals are different, but. But are they? You know what I mean? So then what is the species? Like it would be really easy, for example, if let's say let's say there was DNA, right? Mm-hmm. Strands of DNA. Every species, let's say, had a unique number of strands of DNA. So snakes have 42, humans have 87, octopus, octopi have 62, and like you know for sure. But I don't think that's the case, is it? I think it is the case. I think that's how oh. we that's how we like that's how we put them in these factors. Like we have all the kingdoms mm-hmm. and all the phylums and stuff like that. Right. Is how, because at this point in science, like we know what every animal descends from, and we know what their ancestors are, and yeah. we know how 
they came to be this animal. So I think based on that categorization, we are pretty accurate in that kind of thing. Because, I like, it is, a, it is either DNA or just something else, but, like, based on those kinds of things, we can we can decide, like, okay, this is a snake or this is a lizard. It's like the DNA things, like, with humans where we look back a thousand years and we right. see, oh, I'm 2%, you know, <laughs> Ethiopian somehow. Yeah, like, right. how did that happen? Right. But it's a similar kind of process. But... So, so like, it, like, I mean, the categories are just a human construct. So the categories but. are a human construct. So, so there's not like a, so I was saying like if there was 62, right, I was saying that that would be a clear marker of nature, a natural marker that says this is an octopus and not a squid because squids have 63 lines of DNA code, for example, and mm-hmm. octopus have 62. You can do it based on, like, chromosomes or something. Right, like, chromosomes. Yeah. I, but I don't think that that exists. Like, I think it varies between each animal, and I think it varies between each species, and that's why it's arbitrary. Because if you're saying that that thing does exist, then it's not really arbitrary. Then it's kind of natural. What do you mean? That, like, it exists that all animals have, like, a different set number of right. chromosomes? They exists. do. They do? All animals? Yeah, I mean, not every animal has 46 chromosomes. But do all animals have a unique one? I'm sure other animals have 46, too. I mean, they, you see what I'm saying? It's like yeah, I mean, they they do. I mean, there's obviously like the odd one out where one has like, like for humans, like some people don't have right, but they're still but human. Like, yeah, exactly. So that's that's, that, that's that's the hard part. But that's that's where it be- that's based on like an odd one out. Like mm, most humans, that's fascinating. So so most like most humans are, and like some some animals, like I'm pretty sure a worm has like eight chromosomes or something like that. That's interesting. So so using statistics, would you say? that we can decide humans have 46 chromosomes. So there's two schools of thought. There's mm-hmm. one school of thought that says humans have 46 chromosomes. Now, you either hit that 46 mark or you don't. You either hit that 46 mark and, or you don't. And there's some humans who will have less and they will still be humans, but it's an outlier, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's another school of thought that says, well, clearly that shows that humans do not always have 46 chromosomes so it would be incorrect to say that humans have 46 chromosomes so the question is what how much stock do you place in the outliers mm. like i'll give you, you a more usually, i mean usually don't because like there are other characteristics that factor into right I there's other that, characteristics like, we can't like we we can overlook that kind of thing because of all the other characteristics mm. so like interesting so like if i don't know if Dogs, say dogs are supposed to have like 30 chromosomes or something, and one has like 29. Like, okay, no, that's not a dog chromosome wise, but it's a dog almost everywhere else. Like, it has the same features. It has. Right. You know? No, I know what you mean, but so then it's somewhat arbitrary. Not completely, but it's some, like, we kind of just group it. Let me give you a more concrete example with outliers, though. Mm -hmm. It's something we talked about in my. A class about feminist political theory, mm. also with Professor Terwheel, another fempol theor, as we say colloquially, mm. uh, also with Professor Terwheel, another shout out to her, her second shout out on the podcast. That's good. Uh, she's racking up statistics here. <laughs> she's putting up triple doubles. But we talked about in that class the question of whether there is two sexes of humans. Like, is Ooh. there male and female? And then there are some outliers or does the existence of intersex people show that sex sex is a spectrum, right? So like really humans aren't only male or female, obviously, because 
there's all sorts of people that aren't male or female. Or do you decide, yes, they are male and female, like fundamentally, uh, or... And these people are just the allies. Or just the allies. So the question is, is the idea of male and female a social construct or a fact of nature? That's the question. And it's a fascinating one. It is a fascinating one. Do you... I have no like idea. Hear, would you like to hear mine? I would love to <laughs> hear your take. Um, and we're just spitballing here. We, Rashid has not been thinking about this for the past 10 years of his life, so he could change his mind. Uh, disclaimer, but... Oof, okay. I do think that as far as humans go, it's... Actually, I don't know if I... I <laughs> it can go for any animal. You can We can talk yeah, about frogs. Because I feel like... Fundament fundamentally, like, based on, you know, based on our bodies, I feel like it usually is just male or female. But it is, I mean, you do obviously get those, I think I think it comes down to kind of, like, numbers. Like, if there's enough yeah. outliers that it makes it a spectrum, then, That's interesting. then it is. That's interesting. Go ahead. But I don't know if, if, I don't know if we evolved to be that way. You know. No, I definitely take that on board. And statistically, I, I was going to play the devil as advocate no matter what you said, so yeah. don't take it personally. Yeah. But statistically, yes, intersex people are the outliers, which is fine. Um, just that's a fact yeah. of statistics. Mm-hmm. But, but who decides what percentage is enough? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like what if it was 6% of people were intersex? What if it was... Ten percent, and some people. Well, I mean, that kind of thing can be like statistically analyzed. Like you, but it like, always example, has to be someone's decision. I would say. I would say there's no way you can well, create an objective metric for spectrum versus outlier. Well, some. I mean, someone decided from the beginning like what is significantly, like a valuable mm-hmm. result. Like, and did you take statistics, statistics in high school? I did. Yeah. So like a p value of point oh five is like statistically significant. Right. You know, some like, random person so decided like, so, that. Yeah, some random person where. decided that, but that's that's like what we would have to go with is just like is is that number of outliers enough to like fundamentally change what we know about humans to make it a spectrum instead of mm. these two clear-cut like male and female. Right. Without. versus clear-cut male and female with outliers to that male and female, but generally so Obviously, no one would argue that typically people are male or female. Sorry, I'm way too far away from the, <laughs> from the mic. T- typically, people are male or female. And so when there is people that are neither male nor female or both mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't know if you can be both, but neither. The question yeah, is, neither, do they a... constitute does that mean that humans are not male and female or does it mean that they are simply outliers to a general rule that exists of nature? It kind of seems like there's a general rule, but at the same time, the existence of out. I guess another question is, does this even matter? Right? Like, does any of it matter? Okay. Typically people are male and female. Sometimes they're not. Isn't that good enough? In the grand scheme of things, it shouldn't matter, but it does matter now because on one end, there's people who, on one end, there's people who think like the people that are in the spectrum are like lesser. Yeah, oh, and then, definitely. And then there's the other end who's trying to like be in that spectrum and be like, you know, like we're the same as you. And they're right because right. they are the same. Like we're all just humans, you know. Mm-hmm. But 
it is important because of those people on this end who are saying like, yeah, I agree. Who value them a little less. And I think it also has important ramifications for our society. Like for example, not maybe not for us. Well, yes, eventually for our society, but philosophically, you know, uh, when we think about things like heterosexuality and homosexuality or, you know, gender uh, values or transgenderism, you know, those things are all typically today predicated on the idea that there exist by nature two sexes. So our understanding of the world and society and, you know, lots of things would change if we decided that actually there's not two genders, there's a spectrum. Um, Now, I will say that I would argue that no matter what, the presence of outliers means that to say that there are two things, you you are creating not arbitrary, but you are creating by human construct, at least in some part, two categories. Like maybe the general rule is male and female, but I think that I don't know. It's so tough. Because if you're just, if we were in the, if we were in the, you know, 1000 BC, would we even have a concept of male and female? I'm sure you, you would. You would just naturally, yeah, right? I mean, You'd like, kind of you understand. Like, okay, she has that and I have this. Right. Yeah. Reproduction yeah. is kind of. Yeah. Like so almost everything we know is based on those. That binary. On that, yeah. yeah. Huh. It's a really tough question. But the fact that there are these outliers, like, gives us a conversation, gives us something to look at. Like, this is something that, you know. Like, right. It's not like we need to have a clear-cut answer answer right. for this right now, you know. No, totally. And I a lot of authors also argue that there's actually – so I think that there's, there's, there's some debate. Some people say that there's about, like, 0.5% of the population or maybe even less 0.05% of the population whereas other people say it's as high as 1 to 2%. Um some authors I read that said that I think it might have been Dean Spade but don't quote mm. me on that. Um but they argue that there's actually a lot more intersex people or there would be but they don't report these things because they're so stigmatized against because mm-hmm. they're not the norm. Yeah. And that I think they even argue that there would be more intersex people, but they kind of like, for lack of a better word, die out through because they're ostracized. Because when someone has, you know, both genitalia or neither, they are they can't sort reproduce of, sometimes. They can't reproduce or yeah. they're see, see some people. But argue, I don't know if that's even a thing that like if they were to reproduce, if that would if it would carry on. That's like, I don't even know if, if the child would like, I don't even I don't know if that would make the yeah, child no more inclined to be intersex. That's a brilliant point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I but I mean, it, I mean, it's it could, we don't know. Like, yeah. We, have, like, we have no clue. But so I, I guess there's two schools of thought. There's the one school of thought that says, oh, well, of course, they would naturally be selected out because they're not the norm and they don't fit the general rule. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're a, a, an outlier of nature. But then I think that the author argued that at least in some cases, at least in some cases, it wasn't natural so much that they, you know, didn't reproduce. And it was more society being afraid of anything different yeah. or like traditional, not traditional, but just this zeitgeist that said there's male and female and that kind of like systematically took these people out, right? You know, people were burned for witchcraft, right? Mm. It's not hard to imagine someone who doesn't conform to one of the two sexes being burned for witchcraft yeah. or 
killed in some way. So, I mean, it's not it's not a totally unfounded argument, but it it goes back to the whole species thing. Can <laughs> we eat animals? Is there such yeah. a thing as male and female? It's all tough questions. A lot of it is a spectrum, like you said. Right. It, a lot of it, it is Especially all, now cuz I don't know. It's yeah. It's a it spectrum, is. but then at the same time it seems like there's general categories. Like doesn't it seem like there's generally fish and there's generally mammals? Yeah. Even though is there even a spectrum between mammal and fish? I guess. I mean, kind of, there kind of is, yeah. There kind of is because there's, like, dolphins. There's a lot of things that have fish characteristics and mammal characteristics, I guess. Like like you said, there's, like, the most mammally mammal. Yeah, right. And the most fishy fish. <laughs> yeah, and a dolphin right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a dolphin and whales are right in the middle, you know, so. Right. But, like, everything that we've just talked about is just, like a social construct like we're just trying to categorize things mm, categorization that's yeah there really isn't a need like well it's useful like it's useful but it's something that we decided we it was useful yeah you're yeah. totally right you are totally you are totally right categorization and social construct but yeah. people don't really understand that i think because you typically think oh a dolphin's a dolphin you never you never stop and think like why, why is, a, is dolphin, a dolphin a dolphin <laughs> and not a shark like yeah and then I guess some people would still argue that a dolphin is, you know, that God created the dolphin to be the dolphin. It's different than the shark or that science did it. You know, there's a lot of arguments. I don't think it's necessarily yeah. for sure a social construct. Yeah. And, the, and it depends a lot on people's beliefs, too, because, like, like, with the male and female thing, like, if you believe, like, if you're a Christian, mm-hmm. for say, um, and you believe, like, the first two people on the on the planet were male and female. Right. Which, I mean... I mean, I believe that, uh, but that kind of thing will, will make Islam you say thing as well. Yeah, um, okay. and that'll that'll make you say like, okay, like these are the two categories: it's male or female, and there's nothing else. Right. If you'd go based on that, because like, how could there be anything else? But but there's clearly out. So I guess there clearly are. So what outliers. you're saying is you'll start with that belief, and then you'll say, oh well, those are the outliers because you already have that belief. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really. I don't know. It's it's confusing. Like. Like, the way we do categorize things, I think, have validity, mm-hmm. but... I agree. But we categorize but, them nonetheless. But, yeah, but, like, is there, like, a fundamental need to is is what I don't... I really just think, think it's important to remember that sometimes it can be detrimental, maybe? So no, no, it can. It can. We've seen it in the past. Right, definitely, actually, yeah. I don't know why I'm saying maybe, but... No, it's really fascinating stuff. So we've got the brain. We've covered a whole range of topics. We've covered a whole range of topics that we just So I guess let's leave it on this. Let's let's leave it on this. Why? How long was that? Oh, oh, we're at an hour 15 right now. Are we really? Yeah. So I don't we'll, think we got to a single thing that we <laughs> No, we had a whole outline, guys. We did not get we to... Didn't do we got it. to animal We rights. got to one thing. One yeah. thing. <laughs> Out of yeah. like five, maybe. So let's leave it on. <laughs> let's leave it off on this. How will you justify to yourself tomorrow the meat that you're going to eat inevitably? Happy Ramadan, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> you won't be eating it either. I won't be eating it while the sun is up. Yeah. But um, um, how will you justify that to yourself? And then I'll think about how I'll justify that to myself. The thing is, the only way for me to justify it is to be, you know, one of those selfish humans and just say, it tastes really good, and I like it, and it, it fills me up. It fills, like, my nutritional needs. Yeah. And, yeah, like, that's what I hate about it, you know? Because I, uh, I know if I went to, like, 
one of those farms. Oh yeah. You know, and I saw how they're treating them. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to eat meat, but like, if I like, because I know it's happening. It 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 is it it's it's an eternal problem because I know it's happening. Yeah. But I just overlook it. You know. Right. I think my answer is honestly. My answer is honestly like. Ethically, in terms of ethics, if I follow my other premises that I believe, I can't justify it. Yeah, you, really, I, it's hard to justify. And so, it. what I'm probably going to do is just not think about it. Yeah. Um, and just be selfish and do what I've always known. I've always said, you know, I really think that in the future, uh, in the probably the near future, the statues will be torn down because people ate hamburgers. You think so? I think that eventually we'll get to that. You point. think that's the next? Not the next, but I think at some point in human society we'll be at that point where it's like, oh, you know, and and tearing down statues is another thing that I actually talked about on episode two with Kalea. Was it? Yeah. um, I need to listen to that one. I've only listened to Luca's and Anna's. Yeah, yeah. I need to to get on that one. You should indulge. But But yeah, I mean, it's the thing with humans, you know, like we're very imperfect. We just don't really care. Like... If I I do believe that like if anything like how do I explain this? If if anything makes like life a little more difficult for us, we just like mow it down. Like we just yeah. get it out of the way. We're you know? steeped like, we, in tradition. We we don't when it comes down to it, like we can say we care a lot about animals and stuff, but when it comes down to it, we, like, don't. we don't. Not at, at all. all. Like every like a lot of what we're doing right now is, is very much not like with the climate change stuff and with a lot of other things. I think it would be good, actually, if they're, I mean, not about the tearing down statues part, but if there is, you know, a movement right. in the future and well, that changes. there is a movement now. Yeah, but, but if it if it actually, like, becomes a thing, you know, hold, yeah. I, I think that would be good. Like, really good. Because well, the, the question is, like, another thing for me is, like, if, like, tomorrow when I eat the meat, I'm going to be like, okay, if I stop eating this meat, yeah, how much is that going to affect, not gonna do anything. you know, the other... Five billion people that are eating meat, you yeah. know? Probably more than five billion. You think so? Yeah, there's not two billion vegans on the planet. You don't think so? No. Two billion? Maybe. I yeah, no, be. probably not. No, probably not. I doubt it. Probably I not. seriously doubt yeah, it. But I guess not. it's possible. But that's not, like, that's that's how I think about it, is, like, how much is me not eating meat going to affect it? Like, it's going to affect me a lot. It's going to suck. Like, it's going to suck. Yeah. I mean, you already are missing out on bacon and stuff. I yeah, I know, dude. You. Yeah, you should feel bad. <laughs> I think that... Yeah, I, I think that, you know, eventually they will tear down statues. But the question is, how far does it go? Because when that movement takes hold, there's going to be people really resistant who say, I still want to eat my meat. Is it okay to, like, kill them because they're killing <laughs> other people? Yeah. You never know. Like, it's actually serious. Yeah, because it could be, you know, it could it's be really It's a serious intense. ethical yeah. conundrum. Like, yeah. it, to say, it seems silly to say, like, is it fair to go to war with people because they're killing all these animals en masse? And mm-hmm. it might seem silly, but ethically, really, if you think about it and you decide, well they're no more valuable, they're no less valuable than humans, then you're like, well, they're mass murderers. So yeah. is it okay to kill them in retaliation? Then we, you know, and then there's pacifism, of course. Yeah. But anyway, it's a huge ethical yeah. conundrum. I mean, yeah, like, because when think, it comes down to, like, you know, the earth, our, like, we are not more valuable than any animal. Well, we think you know? we are. No, like, we, no, we act like we it. Totally Even the most, it. like, even the most vegan vegan. Right, they totally act They're like still going to value themselves over an animal. Yeah. I think. And like probably not, even their sister, right? Let's yeah, just say their sister yeah. or their boyfriend, right? Or like if they had like a choice that. to, you know, if it was 
their sister dies or a cow dies. They're probably going to pick the cow. Uh, yeah. I mean. Or even the most vegan vegan would probably say random person versus a cow. Yeah. Mm, maybe some people would say the person. But societally, we definitely tend crazy. to. See, it yeah. seems like it would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, right, why but, would but it like, why would it be? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> we're case in point. But yeah. Anyway, it's been a great conversation. Yeah, that was You'll be back fun. on the podcast of things yeah, soon hopefully. where we can cover the other seven topics <laughs> we didn't get to. But uh, I hope you all enjoyed. Please email uh, the podcast of things at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, <laughs> or suggestions. Suggestions, definitely. Suggestions, definitely. And have a wonderful rest of your day, week, and month. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> See you, Rashid. <laughs>